Welcome to the GMS Podcast, brought to you by GMS Distribution. GMS specializes in temporary portable power distribution equipment for the restoration contractor. I am your host and owner of GMS, Jared Steer, and today I will be talking to my friends. Hey, there we go. And we are recording. So today I have on the phone Jacob Hibbard with DBK. Jacob, how you doing, bro? I'm doing good. I, I can't complain too much, even though we got all this craziness going on. You know, life is uh, still continuing to move. So Dude, it is. There's so much craziness going on right now. Yeah, it's it's kind of absurd. I mean, we uh, as a company just went back on quarantine. We kind of um, gone back to the office for a couple weeks, but then we had somebody in the office. Their kid was close to someone who had a COVID um, exposure, so. Oh, really? We kind of shut back down again. Yeah. Um, so we started, we went back on quarantine last week. Um, luckily, most of our stuff can be done out of office, um, minus shipping, but we still have someone in the office doing shipping and all that. Okay. You guys did have kind of a, a little scare with somebody close? Yeah. So um, one of our employees, her uh, one of the kids at her son's daycare uh, ended up having it. Oh, okay. Um, He's, he got tested. He's fine and all that. Um, but but since most of our stuff can be done remotely, our bosses decided to just say, you know what, we'll just take the extra precautions and keep everybody at home. Yeah, why not? So, if it's not if it's not hurting yeah. anything, why not? Yeah, exactly. Well, cool. Well, why don't you go ahead? I'm going to let you kind of introduce yourself, give a little background, and and let them know who Jacob is. Sure. Yeah. So um, I work for DBK. Um, we manufacture uh, heat drying equipment or targeted drying equipment uh, for the restoration industry. I've been with DBK for a little over three years now. Um, I definitely miss the traveling, going to trade shows, seeing people. Um, that's kind of a big bummer for us. But uh, yeah, a little bit about DBK. Um, so DBK started as a, a heating element manufacturer back in the 1940s out of Germany. And so they've been doing ceramic heating um, ever since then. And we've been supplying some of the, the manufacturers of dryies in Phoenix. We've been supplying them with ceramic heaters for their desiccants. Um, and we actually had a customer that came up to us in the UK and wanted us to design something for him specifically. So we did, so we just kind of jumped into the restoration industry that way uh, about seven or eight years ago. So DBK didn't start, well, I guess it didn't. What well, didn't start in the U.S., but it didn't start also as a as restoration drawing either. Correct. No. Yeah. It's it's uh, basically heaters like heaters that go in ATMs, gas pumps. Um, we've done some work with automotive as well. Um, we're actually in quite a bit of the electric vehicles. Um, we design heaters that go in like the electrical cabinets to make sure wire and components don't freeze. So okay. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we're kind of. We have our we have our finger in just about every type of heating product globally. So and oh. just recently got into the restoration industry. That's very cool. Yeah, and the restoration industry is actually our only like retail product. Um everything else is a component. Um so it's it's pretty it's been an interesting ride uh for me, especially growing the US market um with our only final product. Now is this like when you started with DBK, have you always been on the restoration side of DBK or did you start somewhere else and, and then move? Nope. I've been on the restoration side the entire time. Okay. So restoration yeah. and, and in the U S now, do you do any traveling overseas? Yeah, I've done uh, quite a bit. Actually, I've been to the UK, Australia, Canada. Um, so I, I cover all of North America. So the U S and Canada, uh, I've been to a few trade shows in the UK and, and Australia though. Okay. Dude, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I didn't realize that DBK was, you know, they had their, I mean, I I knew it was heating, but, you know, they have their hand in so many other other things or other markets. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's been fun. So I get to dabble in some of that as well. Um, I don't just do the restoration stuff. I I kind of get to play with some of the other stuff as well. Now, when you were talking about, um, you know, not being able to travel this year, so how many how many trade shows do you are you usually going to? Uh, usually about six or seven a year. Okay. Uh, we usually do a booth, probably a three or four of them. Um, I usually go walk the other three or four. Um, but yeah, it's just been weird. It's it's 
Um, not having that customer, that face-to-face customer interaction has been really weird for me this year. It is. It's, I, it's yeah. very different. Yeah. Me and me too. Same, same kind of thing. And it feels like the, the restoration industry has just been really slow. Um, other than the cleaning side of it. Right. No, I, I agree. I've heard that from a lot of our distributors also that I know. And I know personally, I know our sales are down about 40% from last year. Um, yeah. and when I've talked to other distributors, I mean, it's, it seems like equipment across the board is down, but then all of the PPE and the cleaning and the disinfectants, those are all, those are all up for those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they kind of have a little, little balance with it. Now, are you seeing so that same of, thing? Yeah, definitely. Um, so we definitely haven't seen as much equipment sales this year. Okay. Yeah. As we expected. Well, but it also, yeah, I mean, not just the COVID, but like the side effects of the COVID of us not being able to go out and do trade shows and, and meet customers face to face, I think also plays a part in it as well. Sure. I think it's, I mean, I think it's pretty complicated. I mean, it's a complicated thing across the board, but I know, I know even, I mean, even us as a company and others, you know, we're kind of, we're all holding tight. If we don't have to have it, we're not going to get it. And, uh, yeah, exactly. you know, we're just, we're just waiting to, waiting to kind of see what happens or, or waiting until the time that we need it. And then that's when, that's when we'll buy it. But right now it's so, just seems, seems unstable and uh, the future is foggy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know the I future think, yeah. is foggy. I don't know. There's a better way to say that, but yeah, it's it's yeah, uncertain. There's not really a direction right now. We're just kind of floating. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's tough. It's kind of it's difficult to kind of see where where to go from here. But um, yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll figure it out. It'll it'll sort itself out, and we'll get back to it. Yep, I have no doubt about that. So the trade shows. That's where me and you. That's how we, we kind of got introduced to each other. And then I know we made a power box for you guys to power up some of your equipment. But I know I always didn't. Well, I had I had to laugh the last time I went to the experience. And um, I remember getting an invoice for a booth before I even registered yep. <laughs> and signed up for it. And I called, I called Jennifer. I'm like, what's going on? And she's like. Oh yeah, Jacob Hibbert at DBK said that you were gonna have. <laughs> you guys ended up. You guys ended up <laughs> reserving a booth, a booth for me right next to you guys, oh, yeah. so that we could hang out we during the show. We knew you were gonna be there. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. I just heard this invoice coming through. I'm like, what? how am I getting invoice? I haven't even signed. Up. Oh, Jacob signed me up. He already got my booth for me. <laughs> that was so funny. We well, had, now, we had to continue the the tradition of getting some barbecue. So. Oh yeah, we've been doing that for a while. We uh. Yeah, so the trade shows are, are a great thing for manufacturers, too, to, I mean, that's where I, well, even this podcast, I mean, you've heard a lot of people on the podcast where it's, you know, me talking to my friends, and a lot of those friends come from, you know, meeting them at trade shows, and they have a booth, and I have a booth, and then, and then yeah, so with me and you, we've kind of developed this, like, we're, we're searching out the best barbecue joint while we're in whatever city we're in, and uh, that's worked out pretty well for us. I think it has. I think that, I mean, the bacon burn ends at Heim were, um, I think, our best find for oh sure. Oh, my God, dude, those were, I couldn't even finish them. Like, they, there was, there were so many of them, but then it was, they were, st- oh, my gosh, they were so good. It was almost just, like, disrespectful to not finish them, though. But they were, but it's like, there was so much. It was so, yeah. oh, it was so much, but uh-huh. it was delicious. And that was, that, that was Heim? Yeah, that was Heim. That was in Fort Worth. In Fort Worth, yeah, I'm, yeah, I was gonna say Dallas, but yeah, Fort Worth, yeah, yeah. Oh, that place was that place was good. Now, will you be at the? Well, now now I want to talk. I want to talk barbecue, but then I also want to find out: Are you guys gonna be at the experience in Vegas? Uh, that's still up in the air for us. Okay, still I'm, undecided. I'm kind of wondering, especially with this kind of resurgence with the uh, with COVID. I'm. I'm I mean, I know the event is is considered on right now, but mm-hmm. I know I, I'm I'm almost I'm I'm wondering if it won't if it won't get canceled. You know, I don't know. Or get rescheduled. I'm, I'm thinking it probably will. I I think there's probably going to be a resurgence of COVID in the fall, but that's also hurricane season too. Yeah. So. Yeah, 
I know I'm going to, I'm going to try to walk that show. Um, I'm not, but I'm, but I'm not even sure that I'll make it. I, like you said, you know, if there, if we have a big storm, um, then I won't, I probably won't go. Uh, or if this resurgence comes in, but then also, uh, that's my, like the, my beginning of elk season is, uh, oh, yeah. is during that time too. So it's just going to depend on when me and the, me and the couple of the guys that I hunt with, when, what their schedules work out too. And, and we'll see, but yeah, I drew, uh, drew my first elk tag this year. So that's, I'm pretty excited about that. Where are you? So are you doing that in Washington now? Or are you going to No, that, so that, that was in Wyoming. I put in for a tag wow. in Wyoming. Okay. I've got quite a few friends, uh, that I've met over the past four or five years that are out there. And, uh, yeah, so I put, they talked me into putting in for a tag. I was always hesitant putting in for a tag for elk because it's such a, like, to me, it's such a responsibility. If, if you draw an elk tag, you know, that isn't a hunt that you want to go out by yourself on. Like you definitely, no, in my opinion, not. you definitely want help uh, to bring down an animal of that size. So it's taken me this, you know, the, a couple of years to find some people that I can rely on. And, uh, and yeah, they talked to me, they're like, dude, we got your back, put in for it. If you get it, we'll help you. So, uh, so yeah, put in for it, uh, the beginning of this year and, and yeah, I drew, I drew. So Sorry. I'm pretty excited about it. That's going to be fun. That, that you do that, like on, um, a certain plot of land, does someone have land there? You just kind of, this is, go a, up and... well, this is a general tag. Yeah. So they do have, <laughs> They do have units uh, throughout Wyoming. So you put in, when you put in for a tag, you put in for a tag on a certain unit. Um, mine was a general tag. So it's a general unit. Um, gotcha. I don't, you know, I don't have a, if it were talking about antelope or mule deer, I would have more information because I've been doing that for a couple of, you know, three, four years. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the general, the general tag, I think it's, I think it's unit T, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, the, the guys that I'm going with, they were, they, they're the ones that told me what to put in for, but yeah, it's a, it's a specific unit. There's a, you know, you can only hunt this area. Okay. Yeah. So you just go up in there and you just camp in, in the, in that specific area and then hunt there. Yeah. Yeah. We're planning on going up. We'll find, uh, we'll more than likely we'll find like an old logging road or, um, trail service road or something like that. And we'll go up as far as we can and then kind of set up a base camp there or, or a car camp from there. I don't know that we're going to do any, any backpacking and set up any satellite camps. Uh, it sounds like yeah. we'll just, we'll just hunt from that base camp. Um, but yeah, we'll now, go you out two like, or three um, miles from there. Are you going to do like the tracking or are you going to do like a, like a seed, like a feed and seed kind of thing? Say that again. Like set up. Are you guys going to do like the tracking or are you guys going to sit in like a, a blind and do like a, a feed? You know, this is, that's a good question. Um, I know we're not going to, I know we're not going to do a blind. I know we're definitely, I mean, I'm, I'm imagining we're going to spot and stalk, um, kind of, you know, find them, see where they're moving and then, and then get there. I know I also have to buy a couple calls cause you can, you can call them in. Um, and I have to get a couple calls and start practicing with those. Uh, I've seen, I've seen some shows and things where, guys will have like they'll they'll basically work it as a team where one guy sets up higher on the on the hill and the other guy you know maybe down 50 60 yards in front of them Mm -hmm. and then they they call elk up out of the valley and then you know the the elk will the the plan is that you're calling calling up to the top and they pass the shooter on their way up to the top Um, okay but i don't i don't know specifically if that's if that's how we're going to do it or yeah, I don't know the I don't know the specifics of it. I just know that I know that I have to get a call and I have to keep practicing with my bow. <laughs> those are yeah, those are my instructions. Oh, so it's, a, it's a bow hunt too. You can't you're yeah. not even using. Oh, so is, yeah, that, is that part of the tag? Uh, so yeah, so when you put in, so this is how it works in in Wyoming. You put in for the elk tag, and you when you get an elk tag, you it's an elk rifle tag. Uh, and the rifle okay. season is the second two weeks of October. So okay. what you do then is then you buy an archery permit, which I think is like 25 bucks. Um, but then once you add your archery permit to your elk rifle tag, now you can hunt the archery season with your archery permit. 
uh, in that season is I think September 1st to October 1st or that, that month of September. So that's when I'll be heading out at some point in September, going out there with my bow and, and, uh, yeah, seeing how we seeing how we can do it. Now, if I'm not successful in September, then I can come back and hunt the rifle season the second two weeks of October. Gotcha. So my tag's still good at that point too. So. Oh, I feel like that's going to be tough to take down an elk with a bow. Oh, oh, it's gonna. I I agree with you. It's gonna be, it's it's gonna be a huge huge challenge. Um, but how rewarding if you can if you can pull it off. That's gonna be. That's gonna feel now, where really you, where good. Where are you aiming at with the bow on on an elk? You're trying you're trying to go right behind the shoulder. You don't want to get into the shoulder. You're gonna go behind the shoulder, um, and you know aim for the vitals, double lung, or a heart shot right right yeah. behind the shoulder in in the ribs. Yeah, same gotcha. same thing. Um, yeah, man, it's gonna be. I'm I, like I'm a, a little intimidated. I'm not even a little. I'm a lot intimidated by this. Uh, so. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Elk are deceptively large. Oh yeah, yeah. And I've seen some pictures of of some you know the guys out there that they've that they've shot them and oh it's it's gonna be. I mean the work doesn't you know the work is when you finally get an animal on the ground. So I know for me. I love just going out there. I love getting my ass kicked and hiking around the mountains and and camping out and you know, kind of roughing it a little bit. And, uh, you know, that's all going to be fun for me. And then if, if I get the opportunity and, and am successful, you know, that's when the work starts and then it, and then it gets yeah. really hard. But at the same time, I mean, you're so, you're so pumped and that, that's, it's, it's the fun, it's the fun kind of, of hurt. It's the, yeah. It's definitely. the fun suck. Yeah. Because carrying that back too, once if you do take it down, that that's going to be a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a lot of a lot of weight on your back and and bringing it out. Oh, but it'll be fun. Now, have you? Did you do? Well, I guess I want to say you lived in Seattle. Are you? Did you grow up in Seattle? Yeah, so I grew up in Edmonds, which is like about twenty minutes north of Seattle. And that's on the west side. Yep, that's on the west side. So that's like okay. right on right on the ocean, pretty much. Okay, because now I'm on yeah. the I'm on the east side. I'm in Kirkland, um, yep. so I kind of know. I know. I know. I'm I'm starting to learn a little bit of the area. Um, you know, honestly, with the quarantine, we haven't tra- You don't get to really travel. There's nowhere to go. You don't get to travel that much. Nothing's open. So, yeah. You know, other than just walking, I mean, we can walk to the grocery store from where we're at. We don't really get out that much. So it's it's taken me a minute to kind of get an idea of the area and where things are but but you now were you born here like you were born here grew up here went to school here everything right yep so born there uh went to a small private school named king's which is over in shoreline um then went to college at washington state university which is on the east side of the state in pullman um and then during college my whole family moved down to charleston and after college i followed them so, oh, so but, that's yeah, how you spent, got to, that's how you got to Charleston. Yep. 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 So I spent, I lived in Seattle area for about 22 years and then lived here in Charleston the last six or South Carolina the last six. Yeah. yeah but, but now from talking to you though, you love it down there. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I'll, I'll never move back up North <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> I don't like the cold. I'm done with it. I spent, I spent, I did my time in the Pullman winters and, and walking to school in the snow. I'm, I'm good with never seeing it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, sp- now I'm almost the opposite where I'm like, I don't want to sweat. I don't like sweating. And, uh, so that's, so the temperature up here has been, been great so far. I mean, it's like a high of 73 sometimes. I mean, a lot of the, most of the time it just stays in the sixties. Yeah, it's 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 super mild. The summers you rarely ever get up into a high enough temperature where you actually need AC. So none of the houses actually have like air conditioning units. Yeah, our, that was one thing that surprised me because in Indiana, I mean, that's the like you would die without air conditioning if you <laughs> if you tried it yeah. there. But yeah. you know, we move into the apartment and it's like there's a couple baseboard heaters. There's not even a furnace. Just a couple baseboard heaters and no air conditioning. And I know me and my wife walked in. We're like. 
oh my gosh, like, what are we going to do? We're going to freeze. We're going to, we're going to die in the summer. Like, oh my gosh. But you know, we've just had the windows open for like three months now and, and it's yeah. been fine. That's perfect. That I think that's probably like the best part about it is in the summers, it's a nice 80 degrees, but you get it for like a month and a half and then it's gone and you're back to rain. And you're back to rain. But it's just in, that was one thing that, that I think I want to argue with people that say it rains here all the time. I would say, me and my wife say, it's misty here all of the time. Yeah, it, okay. It yeah. rarely rains. Like, and, and that's when, I know when I heard people say, it's like, oh, it rains all the time. Or is it raining all the time? And it's like, no, it doesn't, like, it doesn't rain. Like, like I'm used to rain. Like, if it's going to rain, you want, you want your jacket or an umbrella. Like, you're going to get wet if you go outside. And here it's just like, yeah. It's just it's just wet out. It's He's just constantly damp. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, no, definitely. It we get a lot more inches of rain down here in the south than we did up in Seattle, but it was just so many days of gray and the mist, the constant mist. I will agree with I, you. January was January was rough for me. That yeah. was that was a rough month up here. Uh, and it, just like you said, it was just it it was gray and it was just kind of it was just kind of dreary all of the time where it was like, you're like, just give me like a two hour sunshine. Just give me like a little bit of a break. Like that's all I need. Just a couple hours. And it was like, no, here's two more weeks of dreary. (laughs) All the time. Constantly you'd not see the sun for two, three weeks. And you're just like, Oh my goodness. Is it ever coming back? You just got to take a trip over the mountain. That's that's the other thing I've learned, right? Is you, you go over the, go over the mountain to the other side and, have you driven by uh, the Gorge Amphitheater yet? I don't think so. I'm going to write that down, though. Is that somewhere I need to go? Yeah, yeah. So that's like where that's okay where the big country festival is, Watershed. They have a bunch of different festivals out there. Okay. Uh, but it's a an amphitheater right on the Columbia River, uh, and it's probably one of the most like spectacular venues for a concert. Oh, I'm going to check that out for sure. Yeah, that is that is one of the places to go. Uh, a super, an, well, an awesome lake is Lake Chelan, which is um, kind of like north central Washington. Okay. That, that place is beautiful. Um, it's a, probably the most cl- crystal clear water you'll see in a lake. Um, you can see down perfectly clear for like 20, 30 feet. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, um, that's cool. Those, those, those are two of the coolest places, I think, in in the central Washington area. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to check those out. And then um, I know that while, you know, while things were open, um, the, f- the food is amazing up here. That's really yeah. good. And then the live music we've, we went to quite a few, just, you know, just um, I would say concerts, but they were just like, you know, like little $5 covers or $10 covers to go see somebody. Um, but that was, that was a lot of fun too. And they're, they're all, they're all over. I mean, it's just constant. Yeah. when this when it's open, it's it's constant live music, which is there's always something to do. Yeah, yeah, which is very yeah. cool. I'm really really looking forward to you know when when um, Washington and when Seattle can open back up and kind of get back to to business as usual. You know, really looking forward to doing that again. Yep, I think the, I think the food I miss the most from up there is probably the Asian food. So like the Thai food and the like the teriyaki chicken, all that kind of stuff was, it's, it's pretty hard to find good stuff down in the South. Um, oh, I, I bet. Yeah, no, it's so, it's so good. And that's, I, I noticed that too. Like when we, when we first got here, um, I mean, I'm almost thinking like two to three kind of Asian restaurants to any one other restaurant. I mean, there, there's a lot, there's a lot to choose from and they're, and they're all so good. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's I, like not even close how good those are compared to down here. Um, <laughs> but luckily, I wasn't much of a seafood guy, so I didn't. I don't really miss that much of Seattle, like of the food. With the because so. salmon's real big. Yeah, salmon's huge. Crab. Yes, the um, crab and the shrimps and the is it cl- clams, oysters? I mean, yeah, all of all of the seafood stuff. But you say you're not much of a seafood guy. Yeah, no, I'm not much of a seafood guy, so that that doesn't really have a pull for me. Well, and you just kind of went from one coast to the other coast, anyway. Yeah, pretty much. So you could still you could still find the find the seafood if you wanted it. 
Yeah, the shrimp and the oysters are more of a thing down here. Uh, not so much like the salmon or anything like that. Like you wouldn't go get like sushi down here. Okay. Um, that's not really. What, not not what, the wisest, best. Yeah. Move. <laughs> yeah. Now, what's the get a couple hours inland too? But now getting getting back to the barbecue though, right? I'm sure you guys got some good good barbecue joints or what? I oh, guess what's do, the yeah. food? Uh, what's the food that you're looking forward to down there? So there's this place. It's called Wade's, um, and it's like um, a southern home style cooking. So it's like a meat and three place. So you just go like pick a meat, um, and then your three sides, um, and they do a fried chicken. And then mashed potatoes and gravy and like sweet potatoes. And it's oh my gosh, amazing! Yeah, so you know, you're... it'll clog your arteries in a hurry. <laughs> well, and you're saying that, and I'm, I'm up here going, I don't even know where to go to in Seattle to get that. Like, I have, I don't exactly, even know where yeah. to go. And you can just like walk down the street and find pretty much that anywhere down here. So that southern style, yep. The meat and threes, although like the South Carolina barbecue, I'm not a huge vinegar based barbecue sauce fan. Yeah, no, me and neither. that's most of South Carolina is. But now, is that the is that the mustard one too? Is that Carolina or are they uh, known for mustard? I think that's North Carolina. North Carolina is the mustard. Yeah, South Carolina is the vinegar. Okay, but I'm more of a brisket fan anyway. So yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, or now ends, either way talking about barbecue how how are how are your grill skills through quarantine getting better yeah we've had we've had a lot of practice well i just moved into a house too so i actually had the opportunity to get a grill um oh nice yeah so uh getting married here in a little under three weeks um oh congratulations man thank you i appreciate it um we're very excited about it. So I've moved in and she's going to move in after we get married. And so I've just been kind of bachelor padding it up a little bit and, <laughs> and grilling everything and anything that I can. I know we have grilled so much through quarantine. I mean, we're probably at, we're, we grill out at least three, if not four times a week. I mean, uh, we grill, we grill quite a bit and, uh, yeah, I feel like my I feel like my preparation for my steaks is is really good right now. Um, a lot of a lot of trial and error, a lot of practice, but I, I feel I feel really good about it. We're doing we're doing some good things on the steaks and on the seasonings, and then um, my wings. I'm really happy with uh, with the wing recipe. But I, I kind of try that this weekend. You did try it. Was it was good. Yep, it was good. Oh, it hit the spot. Yeah, I did it. I didn't find um, Frank's Red Hot at the store that I went to. So it was just a wing sauce, but it was kind of that same buffalo spicy sauce. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, and that'll that'll be good. Yeah, but just, yes, let those things marinate a little bit. And then so I guess for for the listeners, this is no secret. um, But yeah, so I was talking to you about two weeks ago and I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, we were tired of the little talk about the wings. I sent you my my wing recipe, which is just. Dry off the wings, coat them with olive oil, then let them sit in in some wing sauce, buffalo sauce, Frank's Red Hot, whatever. Let them let them sit in a Ziploc for at least an hour. If and if you can longer, that's cool. And then get them out, season them heavy, and then on the grill. And I just turn my grill down on low or medium low for fifteen to twenty minutes per side. And just really put a put a nice char on them and dry them out, and oh, they're amazing! They come off the grill; they're amazing. They're amazing. Uh, it was perfect. I love the little char on it too. That was the little burnt pieces were yeah excellent. Yeah, well, that's cool, man. I'm glad I'm glad that worked yeah. out for you. Yeah, we did wings like two nights ago, but yeah, same same thing. But I when we were like kind of tinkering with recipes, it was like. You know, we'd find a recipe online and do, and do, you know, make it like that. And then it was, you know, you find the next recipe and then you bring something over from the first one into the second one. And, and you know, by the time you get to the third or the fourth, you're kind of like, okay, yep, I, I, I have a little bit of what I like from each one. And now here's my recipe. Yep. Yep. Exactly. It's worked out and pretty it's been, well. It's been pretty sweet. So, so I moved or we moved into a little town, probably a population of about 5,000 people. Okay. Um, 
And just about a mile and a half away from us is a, a county meat center. Um, so it's just like a butcher shop that has all like locally grown cattle, like meat from nice. around the, the nearby farms. And it's just, it's ruined everything else for me. Like I can't, I can't go to the store <laughs> and buy meat from them or anything else anymore. I could even ruin asparagus. Their asparagus there just puts everything to shame. And they have I better can't, asparagus. I can't do anything else. Yeah. Now, how are you prepping? How are you prepping your steaks? I usually just use salt and pepper. Uh, let it sit out room temperature for about, or out in, outside the fridge for about thirty minutes. Okay. Uh, all, olive oil on it, and then salt and pepper. Yeah, I've heard. So, yeah, I mean, close. I'm, I'm. Same, kind of the same thing with my wings. I'm drying. I'm. I'm. Le- I'm letting it set out, just like you said, half hour to an hour out of the fridge, drying it off, and then, um, yeah, do the olive oil. Now, what I found, now I don't use just salt and pepper. I found um, this seasoning, Rufus Teague, but it's Rufus Teague, but it's not. I have to go online and get it. I can find Rufus Teague in the stores but it's like a sweet and savory one and then like a fiery one. And those aren't the, those aren't the two you want. Um, you know what? I'm going to take, I'm going to take a minute. I'm going to be right back. Cause I, I'm just going to tell you what the seasoning is called. I'll be right back. Hold on a oh, second. Yeah, no worries. We'll just edit this out. Hold on. Okay. Okay. Coming back. Uh-huh. Okay. So the seasoning, the seasoning I found it's Rufus Teague, but it's a steak rub. And it's okay. it's just called Prime Seasoning, the original, I guess. It says Kansas City, Kansas City, damn good original seasoning is what it says on the on the, the little shaker tea, here. Rufus Teague meat rub. Yeah, like a little black and green label. This one's black and red. Black and red. Okay. Yep. Yep. I know which one you're looking at. Yeah, but this is a black and red label. So I'll okay. do. I'll use that. And then I, and then when I was in Minneapolis and we found this butcher shop, um, amazing little place. And I'm going to, I'm going to totally butcher the name, but it's, it's like Elechko's meats, Elechko's, but they have their own rub. So what I'll do is I'll first go over it with the Rufus Teague, which is a, um, kind of a, um, a more coarse a coarser seasoning. Mm-hmm. I'll do that. And then this, this rub from Alechko's is a very, it's like a very fine powder. And then I'll just dust it with that. So I use two seasonings. I use the Rufus mm-hmm. Teague and then I dust it with the Alechko's, which if you call them, they'll send it to you. Um, huh. And I'm almost out. So I need to get some, I need to get some more, but I'll, I'll dust it with that. And then the other thing I found too if you let it sit until it kind of, it, it starts to, um, I guess like almost like makes its own brine. Like it'll start getting wet yeah. and, and yeah, I'll yeah. wait for it to get wet and kind of soak all of it in. And then I'll flip it and season the other side. It usually takes maybe 10, 10 to 12 minutes, somewhere in there. So usually I, yeah. I season one side, wait about 10 minutes, flip it over, then season the other side and then, and then they go on the grill. But yeah, pretty pretty similar. I think the olive oil, that was something I just started doing and that made a big difference. It does. Uh I noticed that too. Like I didn't I didn't really do it a whole lot before, but I I started doing it recently and uh I like it a lot. Yeah. And yeah. I use too. it every time now. Me too. It kind of keeps it from sticking to, to the grill and stuff and it gives it a little bit I think it lets it burn the, the seasoning a little bit more and gives it that crisp. I think it's a, yeah, I think it, it kind of helps just seal it, seal the steak, see, put a nice sear on it. Uh, I think that oil just helps, helps get that outside hot and, and just puts that crust on it. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Oh, they're good. Now what's one of your, like, what's one of your, uh, maybe like a go-to dish or one of your favorites? I, uh, my favorite is I make a, a blue cheese, like chicken Alfredo. Oh, okay. So that that's probably my favorite. That's that's my fiance's favorite too. Um, so I'll just make make the Alfredo sauce by hand. A little bit of half and half, some heavy whipping cream, Parmesan, and some blue cheese crumbles, and then that's pretty much it. It's pretty simple, but 
That sounds delicious. I've never favorites. thought of doing blue cheese and Alfredo, but that's not one well, yeah. I like blue cheese. So that sounds amazing. And my, my fiance doesn't like blue cheese, but she loves that. Well, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And I'm a huge blue cheese fan. I'll, I'll eat blue cheese on pretty much anything. Now, how are you preparing your chicken? I usually just sear it on the grill. I mean, chicken is, is not my favorite meat. It's it, it, if, if I had a choice, I'm going to eat red meat every single time, but yeah, you got you to gotta eat chicken to, to at least remain a little healthy. Give, give the arteries a tad bit of a break. I say well, the, the arteries and the wallet. Chicken's yeah, pretty cheap. Exactly. You can. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Chicken and top ramen. It's so it's so funny. I'll load up. I looked in the freezer the other night when I got wings out, and I still had like four packs in there. My wife's like, "Why do you have so many wings?" I was like, "They were buy one get one free." Like, of course you get. Oh, absolutely. You know, yep. and then at that point, it's like we ate we ate wings for like three dollars and seventy cents, and both of us are full. <laughs> yeah, I'll pretty much I'll only buy steaks at that uh, that meat center, and then I'll buy chicken at like the cheapest place I can find it. <laughs> Dude, I'm with you. It's just not going to taste any better regardless. So it's not, no, I agree. So now you've, so you've got a lot of stuff going on and it's so, it's so much fun talking to you. We're all, we've already been talking for over a half an hour and I haven't even talked to you about your products yet, which is, which is what I kind of, I wanted to talk to you about. I was excited about having you on. So I'm like, I'm going to learn some stuff about, about more about DVK stuff and what they have going on. But, um, shoot, we could talk about food the whole time too. And I'd be okay with that. hundred percent. Well, so you've got a lot of stuff going on outside of DBK. So I kind of want to, I kind of want to try to cover both, both things. Cause sure. like you said, you just got this house, you're getting married. Um, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on for you right now. And then, um, but yeah, so, okay, let's start, let's start with the work stuff. Let's go into that. And then we'll, we'll okay. follow up. We'll wrap up with, with everything else, everything else that's exciting that you have going on. Um, sure. but so DBK, how many, let's, let's do products. How many products or like, like main products do you guys, do you guys offer? Do you guys have? So main products, we have three. Uh, so we have the Drymatic 2, which is um, basically just a heat and air exchange unit. So it works very similar to like a clothes dryer would. Okay. So it just heats up the materials or heats up the air in the room, recirculates that, reheats the air, reheats the air. Um, and then every couple hours, it'll exhaust the wet air outside. Um, so basically exactly like a, uh, a clothes dryer would. Okay. Then so we have, oh, yep, go ahead. Well, so basically, so we're, once we heat it up, then we're getting that evaporation, then we get all the moisture into the air, and then you're taking that air, exhausting it out, and then starting the process over. Correct. Yep. Cool. Got it. Yep. So it's super simple, basically like that. So basically, the, the setup would be the same as a, a desiccant, um, except there's no silica wheel that you have to reheat and use energy to reheat that. So 100% of the energy goes into reheating the air that goes back into the room. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Um, next product is the boost box, which is our first generation, um, target drying, uh, heater. Um, pretty simple. You just put an air mover on one side, blow across the heating coils and then into our mats, which are basically like air mattresses that have perforations on the bottom. So we're just directing that hot airflow onto the wet material. So you're push your. Right, and I've seen these before. I've seen these mats all laid out, and I've seen them. They go mm-hmm. on the floor. Or they can go up on a wall, or you know wherever it is. But they're so you're saying perforate on one side. They're blowing air out, or basically like direct directional drying. They're pushing the yep. air right onto the wet materials based on how you set the mats up. Correct. Yep. So you could just set it directly down. Uh, some of them have eyelets that you can hang them on the walls. So we just directly put heat onto that uh to the wall or the floor um hardwood floors um ceramic tiles that are on a subfloor um concrete so pretty much anything and everything so kind of like the specialty floor drying is that yeah, right like you're not yeah, putting it on a exactly. carpet you're putting it on correct yeah okay you most of the times you're you're fine just put it in there and move it over carpet um but once you get into the denser materials is is when you start adding heat and um, I hate to like get the bound water out of the, the dense materials. Okay. No, that makes sense. And you say you have one more, th- one more th- item. 
Yeah, so the Boost Bar is pretty much the second generation Boost Box. Uh, Touchscreen uh, also has the options for uh, adapters, so you could do an injection drying with it. Um, it comes with a or a different adapter is a four port, so it has four uh, four inch hoses that come off it, and you can put those into cavities. Okay. Uh, so you just have a little bit more flexibility with that one to do different things other than just placing mats on floors or walls. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool, man. And I know I've seen, uh, I've seen people like putting pictures of their jobs when they're using the DBK equipment. Yeah. I've seen the pictures on Facebook. I've seen them on LinkedIn. And uh, it seems like your customers are, like, they're excited to show off like your equipment and how they're using it on their jobs. Yeah, it's it's a it's a newer equipment. So, um, I mean, we've only been in the U.S. for about five years. Okay. Um, slowly rising, um, and, it, and it gives such a cleaner appearance to a job site than say tarping or yeah tarping down a floor. Um, and cause uh, homeowners can walk on it. You can walk on it. Um, it makes it a lot easier for the homeowner. Um, in the house. So I think once you give your customer that ability to make their customers a little bit happier, a little bit more uh, inconvenienced in their homes, I think it makes a big difference. Oh, that's cool, man. That's really cool. So now if, if anybody wanted more information on DBK equipment, do they, do they get a hold of you? Can they go to a website? Like how, yeah, so how, you can go who, to com. You go to dramatic.com, you can get a hold of me on Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, we have an Instagram as well. So I, I pretty much oversee all of that stuff. So you would pretty much just get in contact with me or go on the website. Um, we have online ordering. So you can just go on, pick your stuff. It's free shipping. So oh, it would cool. just ship directly to you. Um, it would come from South Carolina. So you'd see it if you're in the South. You'd see it in a couple of days. If you're on the West Coast, you'd see it probably four or five days. Yeah. That's one thing I've noticed about living out here on the West Coast is is shipping times. Like, yeah, from being from Indiana, like we're so centrally located. It, it, I mean, no matter where you order from, it usually takes maybe two days, three days. But yeah, you get some long ship times coming out to the West Coast. Yeah, Indiana's pretty much the hub, so you're you're right there. Yeah, yeah, right where all the trains and stuff are coming through too. So. Well, that's cool, man. And you said you've been doing this, you said, for five years? Uh, I've been here for a little over three. Okay, so just over three about years. About three and a half years, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. And then I've seen the another picture of, and this goes back to, because I remember when Alan, who he's, what's Alan doing now? Because I know when I met Alan, uh, it was with you at DBK, but Alan's, what's he doing? He's working for a company called Dantherm. Um and they're another restoration manufacturer, um, and they're more, more specifically in Europe. Because he always shows pictures of this, of this gray tower-looking thing. Yep, yep. So that, that product is, I believe, a subsidiary of Dan Thurman. It's called Ariel. Um, and it's a bunch of different things. It's a, a pressure-drying system. So in the UK, they have their subfloors are a bit different than ours. So they have concrete, then they have about six inches of insulation, and then another slab of concrete. So when a, oh, the house really? floods, you have to dry that insulation underneath the concrete. And so they have to have a high-pressure drying system to do that. I'm still trying to... I'm still... I'm. It's, it's taking me a minute to even figure out what concrete and then insulation and then another layer of concrete and then trying to dry all of that yeah it, it takes so much longer there than it does here um you'll see them on jobs for weeks trying to get that dry now are they're, they still they're, most of their construction is all brick concrete um so it's all really dense materials that they spend a lot of time drying wow i didn't realize that so yes. Yeah, so they, it, it made a little interesting dynamic. So he'd come over to the U.S. and and see how we did it, and we would, I'd go over there and see how they did it, and it's completely different. Now, is it anything that'll cross over? Um, I don't know if the high pressure stuff will cross over here. I don't think we really have a need for it. Okay. Most of our construction now is really simple. Okay. Um, 
So I don't I don't really see that coming over here as much. I just know it it just looks cool. It does. And I it guess does. It I, I guess for like the listeners, um I what's what's Alan's last name? James. Alan James. If you go to LinkedIn, Alan James, like you'll see he posts pictures of it all the time. It's it's really cool looking. It's it's like futuristic. I don't know. It's it is cool, but yeah, I was always, every time I see him post it, I'm like, I'm like, what is that? What is that thing doing? Yeah, it's, it's really cool. I, I, I really like how they have it set up. I think it's visually appealing. I think you can have all the customers or all the, the colors customized, so it doesn't have to be gray. You can have it done in whatever color you'd like. Um, okay. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's basically something that's only going to really work in, in Europe gotcha. um, or places that are going to have that same type of construction. Very cool. So now is DBK have anything like coming out new? Is there anything that like people should be looking for or? Not currently. Um, COVID kind of put a lot of things on the back burner that were, were supposed to happen. Okay. Um, but um, so a lot of our, our design team has been um, either furloughed or, uh, working from home, so we don't have a whole lot of the testing going on that we like. Um, but hopefully, we'll be coming out with something here in the next year or so. No, that's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah, I know. For me, um, gosh, it's like I always try to make you know try to make something new or better. You know, innovate. It's always on my mind. I'm I'm always trying to do it. In fact, I even I even set aside like all my calendar specifically set aside like a two to three day span twice a year where it's like, that's all I'm doing is just looking at the product, trying to see how to make it better or what we can do to make, you know, make something new, make something better. Um, dude, it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to do. It is. It is, especially, especially in our industry where, um, it's a lot of things are just kind of set in their own ways and, that's how it's worked and that's how it's going to continue to work kind of thing. Um, so you see that a lot. Um, especially for me, I'm, I'm a little bit on the younger side. Um, so I'll always get people telling me, Oh, I've been doing this for 30 years. Um, so I, I constantly receive that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think our industry is a little bit slower to, to innovate than or innovate than most. Well, and how old are you? Uh, 28. 20 so you're you're 28 that is like exactly when i got into the industry so i'm telling you like i feel your pain there because i remember and i still get it a little bit but i i honestly think that maybe there's gray in my beard now people listen to me a little a little more like i'm I'm a little more credible because i'm older (laughs) it's the same information i had when i was 28 it hasn't changed but but people are more willing to listen to me now i do remember being 28 dude it was sometimes it was so hard. It was so hard. Um, you know, and people would come up and they'd start, I mean, I've got, I've got so many stories, but it's like, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's educated. I'm the one that's trained in this. I'm, I'm, you know, in this conversation, I'm the electrical expert. Um, but somehow I was always the dumbest person in the room when it came to electricity. And it was so frustrating, so frustrating. Yep. Yep. I mean, I went to school for mechanical engineering, got my minor in material science engineering. And, you know, it's, it's, I, I very look at the drying process in a very uh, scientific way. Yeah. Um, and I don't think a lot of the people in the industry do. Um, so it, I always kind of get glazed over looks and stuff like, I don't know what I'm talking about kind of, kind of thing, but you know, we're moving forward. So. Well, hopefully it doesn't get to you that much. Um, and, and it does, I, for whatever reason, it does get better. I mean, cause I'm almost, yeah, I'm almost 40 absolutely. now and, uh, the conversations have, have changed, but I think too, um, my audience too has changed in 10 years. You know, a lot of, it, it, it's just guys move, you know, guys are older and move out of the industry and younger guys are coming in. So I know in my own, just in my short span in this industry, you know, 10 years, I've seen a shift where most of the people that I talk to are older than me, like 80% older than me. And now about 50% are younger than me. 
you know, I so, have noticed that a lot as well. I've seen a lot of younger owners yes. um, coming up into the industry as well. And I, it seems like they're a little more, I don't like, I don't, I don't want to sound negative towards, uh, towards like the OGs and the older generation, you know, but there is, there is something to say. And I actually, I just had a conversation earlier today about, you know, I, I asked a guy, well, for, he actually asked me, you know, why are you making 30 amp stuff? Everybody uses 50. And I was like, what's the benefit of 50? Like, what's the, what's the pros of using 50 amp power over 30 amp power? And he goes, because mm-hmm. everyone does it. And I was like, well, just because everyone, does, like, that's not a con. That's just, that's just a statistic. <laughs> that's not, yep. or, you know, a pro. That's not a pro. That's a statistic. Everyone does it. Um, you know, and we had a conversation and I was like, look, all the 30 amp stuff is, is lighter, is easier to use. You can get more of it out. It's less expensive. It's easier to hook up. It's it's easier to keep track of your amps. Like everything about it is is smaller, easier, and and uh, cost effective. You know, yeah. and I'm, I'm like, like those are pros. Like, what are, what are your pros? And he's like, well, everyone everyone uses fifty. It's like, okay, well, yep. you know, oh. so we still have those conversations, but. Yep. Well, good luck. With <laughs> yeah, it's like okay, that's that's fine, um, but yeah, no, but but I have seen where you know that younger the younger group coming up, you know they do they do want to li- I think they want to listen more, or maybe you know what I think it might be too. They don't they don't have the uh, confidence of someone who's been doing it for thirty years, and I, and I think that's how yeah. I would rather say it. It isn't it isn't that you know an older generation is not going to listen to you, or somebody that's experienced isn't going to listen to you, but they do have the confidence from doing something successfully for yeah. so long that when you Absolutely. tell them something that's completely out in left field, they're like, ah, no, not buying it. You know where where some of the younger the younger guys don't have that experience, so they're more more apt to maybe listen to listen to something or listen to something different just because they don't, yeah. they don't have yeah. that. Yeah. I also, also think you have the, the new generation of where they've had a different iPhone every single year. So they're always constantly upgrading, trying the new stuff. So they've kind of had that it's ingrained a good point in, their, too. Yeah, in just, their lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really good point where it's, yeah, where everything's constantly upgrading and changing and new information for them all the time. Yeah. So, so it's it something they're just used to when you throw yeah. new information at them, it's normal. Yep. Yeah. I never thought of it like that. So, yeah, I think it's a big cultural shift is it plays, it plays a pretty big part in it as well. See, now I'm, now you're making me the old guy. Now I'm the old guy. <laughs> Get some new ideas. <laughs> no, that is cool though. I haven't, I haven't thought of it like that, but I, but you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, that's it's a it's a whole generation of of upgrading of always looking for the new what's new what's different. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's been a part of kind of the things that I've learned in the the three years that I've been in sales is um, you really kind of have to study your customers a little bit more um, than you did in the past. Just because you have a great product doesn't mean people are going to want to buy it. Um, you're going to have to prove to them how you can save them time, uh, how you can make them money or how you can make their life easier. Now, um, now what are your kind of strategies to do that? How are you, how are you convincing the customer? So with DBK, um, our equipment actually bills out at the highest rate, um, okay. for any other equipment. So you're making your money back faster, yeah. um, than you are in any other piece of equipment in, in the industry. Um, your setup times are about a fraction of what they would be if you're using like injected dryer or something like that. Um, okay. so if you had like a hundred square feet of hardwood floor that you need to dry, our equipment will be set up in 10 minutes. Whereas an injected dry would take 45 minutes to an hour. Um, cause you're so so that kind of thing. now is that still, it's cause it's still mats, right? Like you're putting mats down with their mats, but it's different. Yeah, it's different. So they're having to like tape down their mats. We just roll ours out and leave them on the floor like a sleeping bag. Yeah. So it's literally just throw it down, hook it up to the Bruce bar, and you're done. Gotcha. Yeah. And it makes your life, like again, makes their life easier on the homeowners. Homeowners can walk on it. Um, there's absolutely um, no more added noise to the environment. 
Um, so the loudest thing in the room would be an air mover or a dehue or whatever. Yeah. Or desiccant. Um, so it's it's those kind of things that we've we've started highlighting in in our sales strategy. Okay. Well, dude, that's that's really cool. I mean, uh, I know I've seen you. You've been working hard at pushing that the DBK brand. I've seen you. I mean, pretty much everywhere we run into each other all the time. Um, yeah. And you know, and I've seen you on on Facebook and on LinkedIn, and and really kind of just trying to show people what you know what these products are capable of, and that's uh, dude, that's that's yeah, really I mean, that's really cool. Products aren't an end all be all. It's it's just uh, another tool in the tool bag. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that I would use the equipment on every single job. Um, I'm not that naive. I'm not um, going to say that it's a silver bullet for drying or anything like that. But um, it does have its advantages um, oh, in its sure. specific area of expertise. So, um, yeah. But it's been fun. Um, never in my in my life did I think that I would end up being in sales. Um, I always thought I was going to have an engineering job, but uh, I'm actually really glad that I got sales. That was my next question was, was how do you go from uh, an engineering degree to sales? I always grew up loving math. Like math just clicked. Never really had any problems with it. Always my easiest subject. Yeah. Um, But I didn't really, I don't want to sit behind a computer desk. It, It just, that bugs me. Um, I like being out. I like doing stuff. I like working with my hands. Um, so I kind of just fit. Um, I was working at Clear uh, Enterprise, and my boss there got a job for DBK, and then brought me with him. So it was. Okay, so that's how you came over to DBK. Yep. Yep. Dude, that is so, cool. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun ride. You know. Now on the per- now on your personal level, you've got, I mean, you've got a, a bunch of exciting stuff going on, and uh, and I'm and I'm happy for you because I'm about well, I not, not about I'm a little over ten years older than you are, so mm-hmm. I mean I can I can kind of remember back to, like you know kind of where where you're at in your life, and you've just you've got some exciting stuff going on i'm i'm so happy for you you've got i mean you've got your job you've got your career down set um you've got a a great girl you're about to get married you just got your house um man what an exciting time for you to just be crushing life yep it's been you know as as much as covid has kind of put a damper on things it's really been kind of nice at at the particular time that it happened because I got some extra time on my hands to like take care of the house, take care of the stuff that we need to fix around it. Um, just also get stuff ready for, for the new chapter. Um, so it's kind of been a blessing in disguise for me um, as much as it has been a downer, but uh, it, I don't think it could have came at a better time in my life for, for me to kind of usher in this new era. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, I'm happy. I'm, I'm I've got uh, you know everything's going smooth right now. So. Dude, that's great. Now, what kind of what kind of hobbies? What kind of things are you doing if you're not working? And let's pretend like this year, this isn't a COVID quarantine. This is a normal year. Um, what are some of the hobbies that you like to get into that you like to do? Uh, mostly sports. So I'll be out like golfing. It's probably probably the number one. Um, if I can get into a baseball league or a soccer league, I'll be doing that. Um, okay. But mostly just sports, playing video games, that kind of thing. Well, because you so if I remember right, two well two things. One, I know you like golf because, like in between, we were what show we were at a show, and in between like the sessions, you had the the golf I'm not a golfer so I don't what, like some like a championship what's that what's it called oh the masters yeah yeah you had yeah, the, yeah. You, had the, you, had the you had the masters on but you were kind yeah. of getting quite a few people like I don't know I think they were coming more to your booth to watch the masters more than they were to talk about any heat drawing equipment yep and we were <laughs> uh we did that on purpose kind of we kind of just displayed it on the tv because we knew that people would come watch it and then we could talk to them 
about the equipment as well. So, and then you were you were a coach, weren't you? A coach for was it soccer? Were you a soccer coach? Yeah, yeah. I did the I coached the women's club soccer team at, at Washington State, uh, and then I coached the high school team. Um, I don't know if you would know where Woodby Island is, but I coached uh, the high school or assistant coach on that high school team as well. Oh, okay. So did you play yeah. soccer coming up through high school? I did, yeah. Uh, I actually went to a private school or a private uh, or D3 private school in Washington uh, for my first year of college and played there as well. Uh, oh, okay. And then played a little community college as well. So you're so, you're all into the sports. You're still playing them. Yep, as much as I can. Yeah. Now, have you have you felt the transition of getting closer to thirty and oh, 100%. maybe soaking and in the tub a little longer than you and, used to have to? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Things hurting for no reason. <laughs> I know. I was playing. I was playing tackle football until twenty eight, and. Like, well, exactly your age. And it, and it just got to the point, I know the last season that I played, um, I had, well, I don't, I don't know if I had a concussion. I probably did. I was knocked out for sure on a kickoff return, um, just got folded up. And then I also dislocated my hip that season. And I was just like, I can't, I'm, I'm done. Like my body can't do it anymore. I, I was, we would, we would play games on Saturday and I would spend the whole day Sunday just trying to recover and just hobble around the house with Tylenol and, and uh, <laughs> trying to get ready for work on Monday morning. Uh, yeah. I think, I think that's probably the hardest part is going playing sports and then trying to work. And yeah. the body's just not wanting to move. Oh yeah, no, I've, I've had that. Now I'm, now I'm getting into like, we're now I'm 40 and this is, so, so what, what's changed is like, you know, when you're in your twenties, you just go balls out and you're fine. And then yeah. when you get closer to 30, like you still go balls out, but you're not fine anymore. Like you're, it's going to take you some time to recover and you're going to hurt and you're going to have some injuries. And now I've, now I feel like I'm transitioning into that where I'm into my forties and I'm mentally like telling myself, like, you can't go balls out anymore. Like you just can't like, don't even like, we're done with that. That's a, we're into a new chapter in our forties where I don't know, maybe we need to start playing a, a smarter technical game and not just, just I feel like I'm already getting to that point at 30 or close to 30. <laughs> That's where I, I, I found myself transitioning to more golf than anything else. Into what? What's that? <laughs> I, f- I found myself transitioning more to golf than any other sport. More to golf. <laughs> See, no, I'm still playing. I have, well, I should say this. I took the last year, because we moved, with this move to Seattle, um, I took the last year off. But I was playing, so once I transitioned from tackle football into flag football, and so I was still playing flag. I've been playing flag for the well, since I was 28, like 29 so almost the last 10 years, every, every season, you know, there's like, they do a, a spring, mm-hmm. a summer, a fall and a winter. And I would play all four yeah. and I was doing that. And I just took this last year off. But now that I'm in Seattle, um, I was looking, I was, I was just getting ready to join a league and then COVID hit and I need, actually I need to follow up and see if there, if that league's up and running again, but I'm going to join a flag team up here and play again. But yeah, I'm 39 and it's just, yeah, the game the game's changing for me to where it's definitely a more a more technical, smarter play than yeah, you've just gone to, you've gone through the mental warfare more than the physical warfare yeah, part of it. I just can't I can't do it anymore. It's just not and, and what'll happen is, you know, I'll I'll tweak something and then I'll be sitting out for three weeks trying to get my elbow back or or you know, something like that. So Yeah. Um Yeah, but it's so it's so hard to come out of that mental space though where it's like like no, you can't dive anymore. Just stop. You can't do that. <laughs> I know you want to do it so bad. <laughs> That's all I want to do. I just want to go full out and just go get them. But yeah, it's can't do it. Can't do it like I used to. You transitioned to golf. I have. I have. Uh, I always play. I only play golf a couple times a year. Usually, I mean, it has to be a charity event, and then. And then I usually buy like two boxes of balls, and then I and I don't even finish because I ran out of balls. I, that's oh. that's that's how I play golf. Well, I mean, sometimes just that just depends on how many beers you're drinking. 
I do I do do really well at drinking the beer too. So I I yeah. buy the balls, I drink the beer. Um but yeah, that's about that's about the golfing. That's about as much golfing experience as I have. Yeah, and you know, you know, Brett, um he works for for DBK as well. Yeah. Uh he's not a golfer at all, but he loves coming to golf just so he can uh, drink beer. Drink the beer. Yeah, drink the beer and drive the cart. So that's that's pretty much what he comes for. <laughs> <laughs> now, he brings long... like a bag of, brings like a bag of reused balls and and loses them. That's perfect. Yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah. Me yeah. and me and Brett could go golf together, <laughs> and then you we'll meet up with you later. <laughs> we now, should sometime. We'll do it at we'll do it at one of these trade shows when we, when we get the chance. Get out there and do it. We should. We should. Well, man, I can't thank you enough for taking some time today and uh, just get, getting on, getting on the phone, talking, and uh, man, it's so good to catch up with you. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it. It's good to to hear a friendly voice and amid all this craziness. Oh yeah, yeah. It's pretty soon. We'll uh, we'll definitely meet up at some point, and we will track down the best barbecue joint. And you know it. Yeah, I can't wait, man. Yep, absolutely. Well, cool. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up unless there's any kind of uh, last thing, anything that you wanted to finish up with. I think we pretty much covered it all. Sounds good, man. Well, Jacob, again, thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking with you. And uh, we'll go ahead and and shut this down. And, and, uh, man, again, so so good to talk to you, bro. Yeah, you too, man. And that'll do it for us. I am broadcasting live out of the apartment in Seattle. Jacob, coming to you from Charleston. Hey, have a great day, everybody.